0: Today, on the Free Thinking podcast, we have Ben Gatti, founder and CEO of the Triple P Group, a neighborhood building platform in Singapore, which began with the Working Capital, a trailblazing community hub in an old shophouse. Hello, Ben. Thank you very much for joining us today, and thank you for yeah, from joining us for Singapore. How are you, sir?
1: All good. Thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to this.
0: <laughs> it's very kind of you. So, so I think I want. Can you help us? So, I think we need a bit of context uh, to the working capital, and I also want you to describe a little bit about the shop house in Singapore because you've spoken about that as almost like the first hybrid in terms of a a kind of working living model. And I think it, help us picture that.
1: My understanding of shop houses. Um, you know originally were that you know people used to work downstairs and have their uh, living quarters upstairs and these were quite um you know humble abodes right they they weren't um you know quite regarded or zoned as they are uh today right i, I think now there's there's been a renewed interest in shop houses zoning's changed uh you know landscapes changed and and depending on where you are in Singapore, some of those are zoned residential, um, and some of those are full commercial. Some are mixed use. Um, but um, I think we briefly touched on this idea of you know, shop houses being, um, you know, almost uh, the first kind of perfect hybrid vessel. right? and 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 I thought that. You know, I I never really thought of it that way until until you kind of planted that seed, but it, it's actually it's actually a perfect um I think it's a perfect enabler for for what we do. Um and you know, shop houses have become, you know, because I don't know if this was by design, but uh, I guess, the, the relevant authorities or the, you know, urban redev- redevelopment authority or building and construction authority, they've they've allowed uh, the zoning, especially in commercial neighborhoods like where we are, which is just kind of Chinatown, Tanjongpagar uh, cusp, they've allowed, you know, quite a lot of flexibility uh, for different types of uses. And across the years, if you look at how, it's allowed these shop houses to evolve, um, you know, from from how they originally used till up until now, and it's and it's something that's continuing to evolve, and I think that's made it very interesting for operators like us, who you know, who love this kind of conservation, more kind of human scale, you know, neighbor neighborhood approach to real estate. Um, you know, I think from a few. Different standpoints. I mean, it allows different uses, but it's almost modular in the sense that you know our approach is very much a neighborhood approach, a hub and spoke approach within the neighborhood where we have, I want to say, close to about twenty shop houses, and some are amalgamated and combined, and that we that allows us to have a bigger lateral footprint. With uh, but even in the individual ones. Because of the flexibility of usage, we can say, okay, maybe this neighborhood needs, you know, more F&B or or more co-working or, you know, and we're we're able to play around uh, with kind of, I guess, how we program the neighborhood because of the flexibility that's allowed uh, within shop houses.
0: Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's so interesting in terms of the, the, that kind of historical context. And as your body language, you know, you're 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 making talking about it almost like this sort of ecosystem of all of these elements that slot together in a modular way. So tell me about the working capital. How how did that begin and how does this um, yeah, start to be possibly inspired by that historic model that you, you're going on to you speak about?
1: Yeah. So the I mean, always had a. Just an affinity for this kind of architecture within Singapore. I mean, Singapore being a you know very modern city, um, you know we I think we lost a fair bit of this conservation architecture before uh, the conservation uh, some of the conservation guidelines or measures came into place circa nineteen eighties, right? So I think this kind of architecture for me was was more compelling, right, in terms of. Being able to transform it, as well as the neighborhoods they were in. I mean, the history attached to it, um, the culture attached to it, and you know, within the shop house spectrum, there's there there's different eras of architecture, and you know, there's more Art Deco styles, there's more you know traditional styles. But I I, I we've always had an affinity for shop houses for the last twelve years uh, doing this in Singapore. About about eight years ago, we a uh, a block a row of shop houses five amalgam mated shop houses built circa 1929 um, was put on the market for rent uh, at that time um, the neighborhood which we were in um, was kind of a no man's land it was a little bit derelict it was like you were seeing the last kind of vestiges of a of a red light area uh you know not not a thriving one i think you know from what i understand it did have its heyday uh but you know it was it was and you did have some early movers you know more kind of creative agencies that were looking for cheaper rents uh closer to the cbd um but it was yeah it was neither here nor there and the working capital came about really as a result of us of this property coming on the market and us uh, bidding on it, and uh, not necessarily knowing what we wanted to do with it, just knowing that uh, it was beautiful. Um, you know, it was it was the gateway to this very, uh, you know, distinctive corridor or triangle within uh, Chinatown, and 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 yeah, and and I think we had at that point we we had a general idea. About wanting to create, uh, you know, the, a kind of work environment that we would enjoy, which was one where we could integrate lifestyle elements, um, you know, so restaurants, um, public kind of spaces, as well as um, as well as put solopreneurs on an even playing field as as you know your larger kind of more tech companies at the time.
0: Mm. And was that the beginning? I mean, in terms of that mix of different scales and enterprising individuals and bigger companies, was that fundamental to the model at the very beginning?
1: That was. That was. I mean, it's a the the actual hub itself, as we call it at One Kyungsiak, is about thirty three thousand square feet, so three thousand odd square meters. Uh, so, pretty big space. Uh, lateral distribution, so eleven thousand square feet per floor. Uh, about um so so sizable and what we did was we we once we kind of develop further developed the idea we're like we we actually converted the ground floor into five restaurants and a cafe um and and did a complete overhaul when we took it over it had been empty for a couple of years before that it was used by AIA insurance who owned who owned it um and then you know, prior to that, it, it it had been used as a tenement building at one point, and I think its original usage was as a biscuit factory. Um, but when we took it over, it had been empty for a while. It was, it, I mean, it's hard to imagine now, but it was converted into very conventional office space. So you know, low ceilings, fluorescent lighting, and I think they they crammed a lot of insurance agents in there at one point. Um, and so that, and yeah, when we took it over, we, we, yeah, we undertook this full exercise, change of use on the ground floor, uh, converting it to four restaurants and the cafe, and then upstairs, your co-working community. Um, so th- just using the nooks and crannies of the space to to kind of create common areas as well as private areas for your larger occupiers
0: yeah tell me about i mean that's interesting is it the, the um to create that community hub i mean people often talk about the the rich mix of activities but also the way you're talking about this too in terms of those uh those corners those niches i guess the joy of this this older building this adaptive reuse is that It is, that's deeply stimulating. I mean, would you, are you glad, could it have worked if it was a new build? Could you have given someone a diagram of your ideal mix and then it would have been better? Or is it better because it's an adaptation?
1: I think it's so much better because it's an adaptation and it's it's, for us, the location, the architecture is, has become so synonymous with our brand. Um and even as our brand evolves, um, you know, it's it's really it does act as the hub for our for our growth from from there and into the neighborhood, right? And because um, you know, at that time we were only looking at it as a single site, uh, so it had to contain, you know, mult a lot of different functions, right? In terms of um, in terms of the retail below the, or the F and D below having restaurants that you know would complement one another um, you know, because at that at that time it's you know it's hard to imagine now, but at that time there was there was nothing on the street in terms of you know trendy eateries or anything like that, right? So now it's become um, quite a destination. Uh, I would like to think partly because of you know our efforts, but we've tried to curate the right mix, bring in uh, different, Tenants on the ground floor, um, different concepts, uh, new to market concepts, concepts that you know cater to different types of either daytime or nighttime traffic, and 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 we've continued to evolve that as we grow the tenant mix on in the neighborhood, and then upstairs, um, it's always been industry agnostic. Uh, I guess a bit more of a creative leaning because you know you have to kind of like that architecture you have to have a culture that allows you to be you know in this kind of environment where that's not student type right it's not your traditional grade a uh environment but at that time we were seeing you know that the the tech companies starting to adopt that kind of culture and embrace that kind of culture and actually saw spaces as like these as an enabler for that kind of culture.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting that in terms of your, you know, the note there on the curation of all of these very uh, many elements. And I suppose that is creating this lively culture of, of having a go, of taking a risk, of trying things out. I mean, I, I know that your, your, your values, you told me about, talk about people and place and purpose. And so that's obviously, I guess, kept you honest to some extent through this but i mean that's people often have values that are a little like that but how do you how do you live because the other p i was wondering is the p of prototype where you sound like you're constantly trying different things out and i mean that that is is exhausting is it not that um how do you yeah what what keeps you I don't know is that that the nature of the business that it, it is voracious it's ever-changing it's beta permanent and you just accept that it's never finished
1: i think the you know so, so i'm going to jump around a bit but the i think that it, it is a constantly evolving thing uh you know we, we came in thinking of it as this hybrid co-working space and that's actually now evolved into uh, triple p which is people place and purpose um, and which is actually going to be our which is actually our parent company and uh, that um, views itself more as a neighborhood building platform uh, because a lot of the things we were doing um, you know were beyond uh, just running a co-working space uh, you know there there is a huge placemaking element there's events you know there's um, you know, the, the community building, I think that's inherent in some co-working spaces uh, where it's really about providing flexibility and convenience at the core, uh, By but also community. So that, that layer was always there, but that's evolved a lot beyond uh, those walls, right, into the larger neighborhood. And, yeah, and back to your po- point about... Yep. Bingo. Programming vertically, you know in grade A buildings, um, you know we had tried actually to do this in in grade A buildings and and it was just impossible to get repeat that same sense of of culture or community because I, I think the com- the community that we built was beyond our walls. it was it was actually trying to I think our members and you know our occupiers also felt a deep sense of Attachment to uh, the neighbourhood, the locale, and and the and the community there.
0: It's really interesting that isn't it? The I suppose, so tell, tell tell me about that in terms. You said the grade A versions of this in those kind of buildings didn't work. Is that because often these kind of buildings are very much designed to be internal facing and to hold you in, whereas the nature of a lot of those older buildings is that they're more permeable and therefore it better connects. I mean, what what why didn't the grade A ones work? tell us
1: about that i think so i think you know there's something about going from one level to another which 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 just changes the dynamic right and and i know i mean you know speaking from our experience at least um you know being in the co-working space when when you know we work all of that was was coming to town you know a lot of these guys would go into grade a buildings i assume because they're boxy. They're very regular. It allows them to scale their model very fast. Uh, I think for us, the nuances of the space actually worked in our favor uh, and, you know, created a unique experience because you're kind of working with the conservation architecture rather than saying, okay, this is my model now. How can I fit it in there? Um, So that's, I think, one thing. The other thing was just, you know, most of these grade A buildings don't tend to be in quite Um, you know, singularly focused neighborhoods, right, like the CBD, where, you know, people come from nine to five, and, you know, there's, there's not much else, right, as much as uh, Singapore and many cities try to make the CBD into these live, work, play places, um, you know, they're, they're just not multi-dimensional, and they're, and I, and, and I, I don't think they have figured out a way to attract people to stay after 5 p.m., uh, you know, and 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 I think, you know, cities are obviously, you know, changing, and, um, you know, I, I feel like this kind of landscape, this kind of shophouse landscape, because these shophouses are in clusters in specific neighborhoods, it really lends itself towards this, um, you know, hybrid model, right, where, where you, can, you can have different uses and people can come for Um, for for a multitude of different purposes, right?
0: Tell me about the control here because, you know, you spoke about the, you know, this is a neighbourhood building, but I imagine when it first began, you know, this hub being successful in and of itself, the four restaurants, the cafe, the co-working, then obviously then other people started to rent spaces, buy spaces around and were dining out on the success of this community hub. I mean, how did you, well, some people start competing with that. Other people might start to partnering with that. Tell us about your approach and how that began.
1: Our our approach was, you know, and I I think maybe a little bit unconventional in the sense that the the goal, once we realized what, you know, we were building, we realized that you know, the success of the neighborhood was our success and vice versa right and and you don't need to control the whole neighborhood to um you know to have a profitable business right and we can do things because we're not you know we're small we're nimble uh, we have the kind of um you know values that we have we we can do things with, without having a defined roi right we can we can go and commission a mural or we can um, you know, convert the parking lots into parklets uh, and undertake these efforts um simply because we think that it's a cool project. and, and it, it might it might it might be nice for the neighborhood, you know, and the and because because now we've we've gotten to know the neighborhood. so intimately, you know we've, I think having the working capital at one Kiongxiok anchored that one side and changed it because of its position on the street at the corner of and and because of its architecture it it we brought in enough um you know a variety of different concepts that you had enough critical mass right to actually have an impact on the neighborhood um you know so the you know the user groups kind of changed right the vibrancy of this of the street changed and we wanted to continue to add to that right because um you know it's it's you can't do that with just one shop house by shop house or or building by building um you know so we we anchored um or and we continue to grow into the neighborhood by by taking what we call the spokes, right? So number one being the hub where everyone can access or there are parts of it that everyone can access. And then the spokes are where we do, for example, customized solutions for uh, individual companies, right? But they all have access to some of the communal facilities within the neighborhood.
0: And are there other spokes from the other partners that things where you don't own it take part in that? When we speak about this ecosystem, is it an ecosystem of other partners, too?
1: It, it is. It, we're more the, I guess, the curator, if you like, or I mean, in most cases, we're the master tenant. So we take the long term lease. Um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, it it depends right on, on the landlords. Also, a lot of the landlords have seen the work that we do um they like the fact they can deal with one party that will take care of their building um and they don't have to go through the hassles of, of managing all of that uh, but then once they give it to us it's kind of up to us what what we do with it uh, but we we and we'll try and bring in try and kind of to this to the extent that we can moderate the you know the tenant mix. And work with uh, different partners, right? So we work with Lope Lab, who's our placemaking partner on mm-hmm. some of the more public space initiatives. Um, and we try and as much as possible, um, you know engage right the the neighbors, right? and 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 you know w- whether that's the street closure for urban ventures and getting different vendors uh, to come out for these these street activations. Um, whether it's getting you know the restaurants to sponsor the parklets, so you know we can make that viable, um, you know as much as possible we try and be uh, you know the neighborhood champion, and 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 have them see also that you know what is the what is to the benefit of the neighborhood is to their benefit as well, and I and I and I and I think that has been you know has has resulted in a pretty resilient model. Um, you know, and if you compare Kyongsiak to other neighborhoods, both during pre during and post-pandemic, you know, the vacancy rates have have been minimal. Um, there's there's a healthy and makes it rebounded really fast. Um and and I think that's because of that kind of neighbourhood um, effort.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I I, I, I I love that, and I think the fact you know again all your body language of moving all these elements together, drawing them in, and this sort of this give and take. So tell me, have you, you you've been looking at this model in other parts of the city, in other places, and and, and, and what are the yeah, the, the, the critical contextual elements you need if you are to develop it further? Or is it developing it further from this hub outwards at greater density? How are you looking at the next stages?
1: Yeah, so now it's really, um, I mean, we're continuing to grow in the neighbourhood that we are. I am hoping to bring in more uh, retail uh, rather than, you know, more f and B. I'm trying to Hopefully with events coming back, we'll be able to do some, you know, some some more temporary activations. Uh, so continuing our efforts on both the co-working side, the placemaking side, uh, the community building side within the neighborhood, uh, we do want to um, broaden this idea of having access to a neighborhood rather than having access to your private space and saying okay if you're a member of triple p regardless of your if you're a co-working member or a restaurant tenant or a retail tenant you have all of these benefits within the neighborhood right and a lot of that is is with partners so for example i think our restaurant tenants or not even our restaurant tenants but some of the restaurants on the street benefit from the community that comes there every day right because they, um, and so that will continue to grow and that's quite organic. I think, um, you know, it's there, there's probably some uh, critical, there's probably some kind of, um, you know, cap to how much we can scale that. We're now, I think at about 150,000 square feet. Um, it will will, will probably, uh, be able to get up to uh, maybe two hundred thousand square feet in the neighborhood, but it's really finding the right match, right? Of 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 landlords, you know. Also taking into account the market forces, right? We've created a nice neighborhood. Now, you know, where dr- prices are driving, up, we're driving prices up on ourselves, right? So, yes. the the new landlords, you know, get a bit more greedy. You know, they have different align the, the interests of are not necessarily aligned and and you know it's it's become a different neighborhood and and it will continue to champion um you know the parts of it that that we want to see right but some of it we obviously can't control and that's that's just the way that it is and that's the way our model works but um you don't i don't think you need to own or have control over things to make yet make it successful and interesting.
0: Yeah, well, I think that so much of what you speak about of this partnership, I mean, really leaps to life for me. And do you imagine then in terms of the the Triple P umbrella business here, that there is, I mean, I can imagine it's almost like, it feels like the programme is leading everything here. And so that whether whatever shape or size of business or unit, has the potential to be brought into one common program, a bit like I know, South by Southwest, for instance, you know, in Austin is, yes, there's a festival, but it's not dedicated to a particular neighborhood or building, but the spirit of that program brings everybody together because there is a shared purpose. And I wondered whether that resonates with you in terms of bouncing into different geographies, but Triple P is the uniting programmatic thought.
1: That definitely resonates. And I think we want to, you know, dive deeper into kind of what people place purpose means to us, right? And that, that evolves, right? But I think part of the success of Kyongsiak is also the site specific approach to it. I, there is, I guess, some, we won't go into a new neighborhood, unless, for example, we can create a hub. Um, and a hub needs to be a minimum size, you know, of let's say 20,000 square feet, because you need to have these communal elements, right, that are, that bring the neighborhood together, right. And um, so, you know, the, I mean, the geography of Singapore only allows for us to go into a few neighborhoods. But we want, when we go into those neighborhoods, we want to go in with the same kind of effort and passion and commitment to it as we have at Kyongsiak, but also recognizing that those neighborhoods are very different, right, in each in their own way. Some of their, they consist of shop houses, uh, but, you know, they may be more residential leaning, right? For example, we looked at a whole new neighborhood for Triple P uh, with a partner that was looking to acquire both the hub and the spokes. and the programming of those spaces was very different. Um you know we were looking more at, it was more heavy on the residential. So then you were looking more at, you know grocery concepts or complementary retail concepts, more health and wellness. And what was very exciting about that is that you're kind of looking at it more, you know, with this kind of master plan view, right? With Kyongsiak, it's it's been pieced together, right? Kind of as we go. And 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 you know thankfully it's it's stabilized to a point where we can we can try and moderate to a certain extent. Um, you know, I think going into a new neighborhood, you're like it's like, okay, this is the footprint that we you know both ourselves and our partners know that we want with that plan in mind you know we can basically you know we can try to execute in a more purposeful way right and but still not completely defining okay this has to be this or this has to be that it's more okay let's find that this is the general direction for the hub this is the general direction for this property within the neighborhood now let's find the right partners to actually bring that to life. Right. And then, and then it kind of takes on its, its own identity from there.
0: Yeah. I guess that thing about bringing it to life, I mean, you've spoken about the nature of, you know, vendors, street activations, events, I mean, critically, the people, the hosts that are originally you, you employ, train, rehearse in the hub must have been critical in setting the tone of this place and how that continued. could can can you tell us a bit about that because that's that's as important as the property story here I would imagine
1: yeah I think the the you know there we're more yeah i mean it's i guess it's a the property is really just the vessel um, you know but but it's really more about the programming and seeing trying to have you know our little bit of uh, create our little bit of Singapore, right? and 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 the way we want to see it, right? And hopefully, you your team also buys into that and adds to that, and 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 then it's a question of bringing together a team that you know that has those those core skill sets, but also that interest, right? Because we're we're doing everything from kind of um, you know, especially you know, pre-pandemic with events. Uh, there was a lot of community building. There was a lot of, um, you know, planning of events. But and then on the more, kind of conventional real estate side, you have the facilities management. Uh, but a lot. Of, but even that has actually, you know, even though that's somewhat conventional within the real estate framework, we we do do a lot of customization right? because. I think the the co-working model, you know the you know flexibility convenience is at the core of it as as it would be in a Regis or, you know, but I think what people what we are providing more of actually is customization and giving and giving people that unique identity within the neighborhood. um so whether that's branding of the building, uh, both their internal and external spaces, right? So I think, just having a team that can you know can that wants to continue to evolve um you know the the you know the identity of the neighborhood is 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 key yeah
0: and i I see that very clear i mean the way you're you know, using your hands there, that there's almost a base of this pyramid, which is the commoditization of flexibility and convenience. And then we have the customization and something that's getting more personal, more expressive, more experiential. And that seems to be, I mean. That's that's where you deeply differentiate here. But also, I guess that creates loyalty. People come and go because they have a personal connection to it, don't they? They feel that you are this is like you say, this is their, their neighborhood, but also they have a place in it. And I suppose they participate. I mean, how do you I mean, I suppose this maybe comes out in your events and, and the, the nature of the people you draw in in your spaces. But I suppose their participation is critical, This isn't it? I mean, it's you're hosting, but then you're getting out the way, aren't you?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's really facilitating those interactions, and you know, just through the curation of the neighborhood that that happens, right? And ov- obviously, you'll have some that want to engage more than others, uh, you know. So I think identifying those champions is important, um, but it, you know, I everyone brings something to to the table right i think the having that diversity within the neighborhood is is interesting right if we said you know this is all going to be tech companies and this is all going to be that because that's what pays the bills and is the highest and best use of the square footage i think we, we wouldn't we wouldn't have the you know the business that we have or the loyalty that we have and um, you know, I think that, you know, that doesn't always translate. I mean, you do get people who come in and say, you know, why can't you offer me this rate? Uh, like, like, you know, this this guy over here and and and, you know, they may, they may not be the right customer for you or the right member. You know, and I'd like to think, you, you know, our we're growing organically where. We're actually we're actually taking on units, knowing who's going to come in, um, and and I think that's very uh, rewarding for us, right? Because we can say, okay, this is the neighborhood. How can we grow it together in a in a way that's both meaningful for you and for us, right? And and I and and I think we want to, you know, a lot of the last two years has been trying to understand the direction we want to go in, form you know, kind of put a business model around this this triple P and neighborhood building platform, but also and and um and see where that goes, right? Um
0: now I don't want you to give away your your big secrets here Ben but as sort of a closing question here. I mean there sounds like there there's some fundamental principles here useful to to many people listening to it who are thinking about reigniting these city centre spaces. And I thought it was very interesting what you said about the scale of that hub and the nature of those communal elements brought together. I think it's really interesting what you say about diversity being critical here and curating the mix and obviously having price points that help support that mix i wonder if there might be one or two other principles that we we, we could take away for places way beyond singapore
1: that's a good question um i mean those those are definitely some of the underlying you know driving principles for for us and um there but there's no there's, there's, there's no play, playbook i don't think i think it's but I would imagine that if we were to look at a another city, um, you know, we would take very much the same approach. It would be some, it it would be an area where there's a concentration of kind of more lateral, you know, probably conservation architecture. Uh, There would definitely be a placemaking element, you know, that looks at the spaces in between as much as the spaces, you know, within. Right. And I think that's been something that, you know, we, it has, you know, I think the importance of placemaking is something that, you know, is becoming more uh, spoken about, um, you know, because, uh, and probably, um, hopefully accelerated by, you know, this uh, collective experience we've all had.
0: I like that. But but I think the important thing, there isn't a playbook. I think is fascinating, of course, because, you know, this thing of of, of the prototype fills me every the, you know, you're talking about the spaces and times in between and you're there it sounds like listening carefully from the very beginning. I, I love that phrase you said earlier, which is maybe the thing I'm gonna gold plate of this conversation, which was the success of the neighbourhood is our success and vice versa. And I really get that. And in that sense, you're not top down saying these are our principles. You know, are you with me or against us? It's much more organic and conversational.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I guess within our model, you have so many sub models, right? So you have different user groups, right? So you have, you know, this big tech company or this big gaming company. But then you also have you know, this small SME, you have a solopreneur, you know, they're all coming from different backgrounds, and they're all using your spaces in slightly different ways, right? Then you have your restaurant groups, right? You have your, your, your neighbors, you know, your local establishments, right? That you have, you know, the the $2 chicken rice next to the Michelin star restaurant, right? And that, that diversity and duality is so, you know, is what, I think makes for a rich um, neighborhood, right? So I, I think you know I'd like to think that if we you know, because and and, and you know I think gentrification is a loaded you know issue. Um, you know, I think change is is going to happen. but this idea of positive kind of gentrification, where where you know if you can be the the neighborhood builder, or play the role of a neighborhood builder. You can kind of say, okay, actually, this needs to be here, and you know, not because they're going to pay the highest rent, but because this is what it brings to the neighborhood. And if it was gone, this would not be the same place. Right? Yeah. So, I hope you know that we can, we can um, you know broaden what we do and and bring on the right partners and hopefully. Uh, supporters you know that can give you that kind of um, provide you with that kind of you know thinking
0: yeah well I I really admire that and I think that thought of the whether it's investor partner collaborator occupier community what we need more Ben is people like you it's the conscious neighborhood builder which I really admire so Ben thank you so much for your time it's been Wonderful to speak to you and I look forward to seeing you in Singapore when the world opens up a little.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Adam. Take care. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can see you in Singapore soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking podcast today. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you and see you soon.